0: Welcome to CIFAR's Point 2 l Nation podcast. On today's episode, Thinking Clearly, New York City's Push for Pay Transparency, Rob Seba, Maria Papasevastos, and Christy Iacopetta will discuss the increasing levels of regulation and restrictions in hiring practices, including the policy considerations, national trends, and some nuances of the New York City law. Enjoy.
1: Today, we're going to talk about a new law going into effect in New York City that will require employers to disclose what an employee will be paid right in a job posting. I'm here today with my colleagues, Maria Papasavastos, Senior Associate at SyFarth, whose practice focuses on employee pay equity issues with a specific focus on pay transparency and wage range disclosure laws, as well as defending such claims in litigation. We're also here with Christy Iacopetta, who's a senior associate at CIFARTH and focuses her practice on advising employers on pay equity issues and conducting pay equity audits. My name is Rob Sibba. I'm a partner at CIFARTH, and I focus on advising employers on compliance with various federal, state, and local requirements for hiring, employee relations, and terminations of employment. And I also defend employers in such lawsuits that challenge various employment practices. So, In December 2021, New York City passed legislation requiring a minimum and maximum salary in all job postings for jobs in New York City that are posted by New York City employers. The law is set to go into effect May 15th, 2022. Before we talk about the law, first of all, Christie, welcome back. We've been discussing pay equity for some time now, and especially in the past two to three years, We've seen a number of jurisdictions across the country pass these so-called pay transparency laws, which are basically laws that require employers to disclose upfront what a job pays in the job posting or otherwise very early in the interview process. We've seen this in a number of states, California, Colorado, Nevada, Washington, and the trend is continuing. From your experience, what's the correlation between these pay transparency laws and the push for pay equity in the workforce?
2: Yeah. So. Seeking pay equity and closing the wage gap is really the driving force behind most of these state pay transparency laws, right? For the longest time, talking about pay with your coworkers or others just really didn't happen. And little by little, employees started talking about it more, started posting their salaries anonymously online. And now with these state pay transparency laws, employees and applicants are armed with more information about pay. And the thought is, the more knowledgeable employees and applicants are about the pay range for their job, the more likely they are to negotiate fair pay. Also, because of these new laws, a lot of employers are being forced to think more about pay equity. And some are even considering creating more of a structured compensation system or set pay ranges if they didn't already have it.
1: Very interesting so Maria, we've seen these pay transparency laws across the country, as we mentioned. What are we seeing as far as like uniformity in these laws or or is this going to turn into a divergent patchwork of, you know, a variety of different requirements that are going to put pressures on employers to modify their practices in every single jurisdiction with one of these laws?
0: So there are really three buckets of these types of laws that we're seeing emerge nationally. There is most recently with New York City, and there was also with Colorado, these requirements to put the salary range in a job posting or in a posting for a promotional opportunity. So that's the first bucket. Then you have as the second bucket, these states that are requiring some kind of affirmative disclosure of a wage range at some point during the application process or for current employees so those states like connecticut nevada rhode island those states really have a requirement where either at the time you're offering compensation for connecticut or at the time you complete an interview for a position in nevada at that point the employer has to affirmatively provide the wage or salary range to the employee or applicant And then the third bucket of these kind of disclosure laws is states like California or Maryland or Washington, where the point where an employer has to provide this type of wage range information is upon request of an applicant or upon request of an employee, and depending on the circumstances. So I think these are the three kind of different areas that we're seeing emerge. It started with it being upon request. It developed into affirmative disclosure by the employer. And now we're seeing in like Colorado and New York City that it has to actually be within the job posting, which adds another whole complication to the mix.
1: How have employers been handling these kind of laws cropping up across the country, you know, whether it's different states or in New York City's case, different municipalities, when they're taking such different approaches?
0: the approach that companies are taking really depends on the culture and how much pay transparency a company really wants to put out there some companies are choosing to have a more targeted approach where they'll address it kind of in these buckets where For New York City and Colorado, they're going to put the wage range on the actual job posting, but then they'll have a separate system in place to address different issues or different requests that come up in other states. Other companies, because there is an administrative burden to addressing all these different laws, and given the trend that's emerging with different states adopting laws like this, some companies are choosing to just have transparency more prevalent in their organization, and they might include the wage range on all job postings in all states and for all positions. They may decide to publish pay scales throughout their organization just to have that information out there so that they don't have to track and follow each of these laws as they keep coming out. So it really depends on the approach that a company wants to take, and then you can kind of modify your approach based on that.
1: So it sounds like there is a way of doing this where you can have a job posting that's going to comply universally across all states. Have you run into any situations yet where a job posting might be in compliance with most or just about all the jurisdictions, but there's some conflict between two jurisdictions that take divergent positions?
0: Each state law has a kind of different definition of what a salary range or wage range can be. So there is an argument that if you are including one job posting and disclosing within that job posting, you may not be in compliance with a specific state law, depending on how they define a wage range in that law. There's also issues with what range you're actually going to put in the posting. So unless you separate by New York City and Colorado, you may be paying employees differently depending on what state they live in. So there becomes a bit of a complication in how you define the wage range and how broad to make that based on geography and differences in geography and how you're going to pay people. So you really have to consider the language that you're using as well as how you're defining the wage range to make sure that it's really geared to what you in good faith are going to be paying for the position.
1: So let's take a look at the New York City law where we're talking about looking at the actual language. Let's take a look at the actual language of the law in New York City. The language states, it shall be an unlawful, discriminatory practice for an employment agency, employer, employee, or agent thereof to advertise a job, promotion, or transfer opportunity without stating the minimum and maximum salary for such position and such advertisement. So let's kind of break this down piece by piece and see if we can find a little clarity in in some of these requirements. First. Let's take a look at the job promotion or transfer opportunity. Does this obligate an employer to post a job when one becomes open? And the second question is this sounds like it applies to postings that happen externally, like on the internet or something like that, as well as internally, like maybe on a flyer, on a bulletin board in the break room. Does that sound right, Maria?
0: Yes. So, my general reading of this law is that it does not obligate an employer to post a job that they otherwise would not be posting. So that's kind of different from what Colorado requires for promotional opportunities. But in New York City, the way the law is written, it's only if the employer is advertising a job, then they have to include this minimum and maximum salary. In terms of whether it applies for internal as well as external positions, Yes, it does. So if you are posting an internal promotional opportunity within your organization that's not available to outside applicants, then you would still have to include these wage range disclosure requirements in the internal posting.
1: That makes sense. What about the portion of the law that talks about minimum and maximum salary? You know, we've been talking for a few minutes and you made reference in some jurisdictions as to what they define salary to be. Presumably, this law wouldn't apply to just people who are making an actual salary and may apply to people who are making all sorts of different permutations of a wage, hourly or some other form. What does this definition require for disclosure in New York City? Is it really just salaries or is it all kinds of compensation?
0: So the New York City Commission hasn't issued its guidance yet on this, but the way that we've been interpreting it is that a salary means any form of wages. So it could be your rate. It could be a salary broken down like an annual salary. It's not clear based on the law whether that includes things like bonuses or commissions. However, our interpretation is that discretionary bonuses and other forms of compensation that are not set like that wouldn't be included in this type of salary disclosure requirement. That said, some employers may choose to include additional information on the types of bonuses that they might offer or benefits or other things like that. But There are reading of the law at this time is that it's only the minimum and maximum base salary that would need to be included.
1: That's interesting. I've actually heard from employers who basically say they don't really have a set salary for a position that they're recruiting for, but are willing to pay whatever the market will bear at the time. How do you handle that situation?
0: I think then you would base what you're providing in this minimum and maximum salary based on the market and based on what you're seeing in the market, because that's your good faith estimate of what you would pay for the position. So you would look at the market and then kind of go up and down from there based on what you think you might pay for the role. So that would be my kind of recommendation on dealing with that type of issue.
1: Very interesting. Another question that comes up frequently is who does this apply to? Who are these employers? Christy, we've talked a little bit about you know employers in New York City. The law specifically states that it does not apply to any employer that has fewer than four persons in the employ of such employer at all times during the period beginning 12 months before the start of the unlawful discriminatory practice. That's the language from the law. For our purposes, we're talking about an employer with four employees, but how do you handle that? I mean, what if you have a large group of employees outside of the city or outside of the state and you have one employee in New York City? How does that impact that type of employer?
2: Yeah. So typically under the New York City human rights law, we count the number of employees globally, not just within New York City when we're determining whether the employer meets that employee threshold. And for purposes of this law, even independent contractors and family members that are working for the employer are counted in that threshold. So really the law is aiming to only exclude really the smallest
1: of employers. Well, that is interesting. Interesting how the New York City law defines employers and and how it'll count. Well, it looks like we're running low on time. Maria, Christy, thank you so much for your insights and your expertise. We expect to get further guidance from the New York City Commission on Human Rights into what some of these requirements will require and maybe add some additional clarity. As employers struggle with these new requirements and as we get guidance, we'll likely be back talking about things like what this guidance might be. We might be releasing some written guidance and we look forward to furthering this conversation a little bit more. Thanks, Maria. Thanks, Christy. And thanks everyone for listening.
0: We hope that you enjoyed this episode of SciFar's Point .2 LME Nation podcast.